Hello and welcome to Access Chat. I'm delighted that we're joined today by Shay Senior. Shay, you're joining us from desert in Israel and it, it, it looks great. It's a fantastic and it's not a virtual background, so it's a real background. So that's amazing. Um, Shay, uh, I'm really interested in the topic today, um, which is around inclusive fashion, but also around ecosystems. And, and those that listen to Access Chat a lot will know that I'm really interested in ecosystems and systems of systems that, that can drive change. So welcome to Access Chat. Please come tell us a little bit about yourself, about your organization and, and, and how you came to be working in the space. Um, so good afternoon and uh, thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to, to be here and uh, I'm happy to share my personal story and also what my organization is doing for inclusivity and uh, improving the lives of people with disabilities. So my story um, in the fashion world, inclusivity world starts in 2017. Uh, in my background, I'm an expert in the unmanned vehicles industry. Uh, nothing related to fashion, but I had a lot to do with uh, design and actually creating things that would be um, accessible for us all in the future and probably help us in, in different occasions. And in 2017, I had a hand surgery, which after I went out and, and woke up from the anesthesia, I couldn't move my right arm at all. And actually, that was... Um, a meaningful moment or a change in my life, being so independent in a young age, traveling around the world, working with uh, global organizations and governments around uh, how unmanned vehicles can help them solve all kinds of problems. And suddenly I'm not any more independent in many things that were so clear and obvious for me. Um, and I think in the main situation where I felt that my independence was uh, disrupted, it was about fashion. So the places where I would visit, there was a very clear dress code. And I didn't really feel comfortable in the clothes that I was asked to wear. And I was all the time feeling like I'm waiting for this meeting to be over. So I would take off these clothes and, and wear what's comfortable for me. Um, and also I felt that it was very interesting and, and uh, influencing me that I, uh, I felt that my opinion and the ideas that I provided in the room were not considered in the same way anymore. And I thought that it's something related to my clothes, but I was not sure. So I started reading a little bit of books about uh, the relation of psychology and fashion. And that's something that really cleared up um, my thought and made me realize how much uh, influence and effect fashion and clothes specifically have on us and our self-esteem, our independence, but also on uh, how we are accepted or not in uh, social circles. Um, I was at that time in, in a re rehabilitation center, and I met people with all types of uh, disabilities, temporal or, or not. 
and it was very easy for me to you know question the people around me how they are dealing with clothes because each one has his own uh, needs his own challenges in front of the wardrobe or in the, in the shopping uh, experience and I decided to create questionnaires in few languages and start sending them to people around the world to make sure that the problem is not only mine. More than a thousand people answered the questionnaire after six weeks and that was clear for me that it's something that people really need. Like I, I poked the bear and now people expect from me to do something about it. Shay, you, you're saying that you are talking with people that were in the rehabilitation with you. Uh, uh, when you when you started talking with them, were they open to talk about this, or this is one of those uh, one of those situations where each each of us uh, each of them was dealing this individually, and they were not talking uh, much about with everyone else. W what was your impressions from those conversations? So that, that's very interesting, but there is like a taboo about uh, fashion or clothing for people with disabilities. Like I haven't seen such a situation of one person that deals with the uh, challenge uh, dressing up because of dexterity, asking another person that is dealing with the problem, what or where does they buy? And that was very challenging for me because I felt like I'm... Uh, going into a personal space of someone, but then if I'm asking the right questions and in the right way, uh, being respectful to their personal spaces, so then it's, it's like a river of answers because I'm the first or one of the only people questioning uh, about this topic. So by the time I learned and I started uh, converting these questionnaires to be more fitting for people because as you might know or not, the rehabilitation process physically is maybe ending in a certain point, but the mental rehabilitation sometimes takes longer, even uh, many years longer than the, than the physical rehabilitation. And that's something that I had to learn by having conversations with people from all kinds. Um, so, so I mean, what, yes, one, of the, one of the things that you mentioned, and I think it's, it's, it's kind of interesting, um, was that you were in, uncomfortable in clothes. And, and, and was that just a physical discomfort or also a, a sort of psychological discomfort? Um, because, because people wear, uh, you know, use clothes in, in many different ways. They use clothes for for comfort, they use clothes for sort of disguise. You put on a certain, you know, you put on a suit. It's like it changes how you present yourself and all of these kind of things. I mean, there's multiple aspects to, to clothing and, and and codes around clothing with with how people perceive you. I mean, it's it's, it's a complex topic. It's certainly one that. A lot of people, certainly a lot of men don't talk about. You know, I, I, I like clothes, um, but but it's rare for men to comment to other men about clothes for a start. And then yes, it must be even more uh, uncommon to, to go that next step and talk about, you know, the 
the ultra personal of needing changes to those clothes because of you know a disability or a mobility impairment that makes it more difficult so I would break it into into two the the answer actually, but uh, I really agree with you about <laughs> the second part that we men uh, don't talk too much uh, about clothing. I will also add another element that is the culture that we come from or the country that we live in, and clothes have a different meaning in in different places. Um, in some countries, you should have a suit. And in others, that's not uh, common at all. So it also uh, influences the the level and, and the importance of clothing in our life. Um, I would say that the the psychological challenge, um, as I mentioned before, on, on my case, uh, dealing with the feeling that I'm not uh, valued the same way as I've been before wearing different types of clothes made me think about all different kinds of people that I've met in the rehabilitation center and out of it that some of them are looking for clothes that are comfortable because it means a lot. Let's take, for example, people in wheelchairs with bed sores. That's something that can be very challenging and, and um might influence our life for months if we don't care about ourselves and, and uh, wear clothes that are fitting the needs. So, so that's the so, physical side. Yes. So, uh, how do you see the role of clothing in helping and speeding up the process of rehabilitation? I think... Um, as the word is, is progressing, I can see a lot of, uh, they call that category wearables. You know, we can see a lot of elements, it's uh, watches or different types of technology in the textile. That's on one side. Uh, it's different type of companies, but then we have fashion brands that also have influence on what's the range of products that, that, we off that they offer and who's the range of individuals that are able to buy from them. Mm -hmm. um, in the shopping experience, offline and online. And I've found out that a lot of people don't even realize how much their clothes um, make them feel or uh, represent them when they go out. And it, it's mostly people that have experience in, in fashion or studies, uh, topics related to design or history. That would have that would be more mindful about um, the clothes that they wear or what people around them are wearing, and that's uh, th that's a topic that we that we can talk about for days on uh, what clothes okay. mean in, in different countries and, and different uh, cultures. But at the end, the the general experience of people with disabilities with clothes starts from. Uh, the will to, to wear something. As I see it, that's the third most important thing in our lives. If we have a roof, food in the in the fridge or, or in, in whatever um, source that it would be, the next thing would be clothes because we, we want to go out and, and it influences our, our 
personal relations or uh, social social collaboration and if we won't have uh, clothes or, or fashion that fits then that would make us uh, maybe ignored or judged in a different way than we've been uh, if, if we wear clothes that fit the situation but also it creates a lot of uh, value or I don't know if the differentiation is the right word but uh, uniqueness and we can choose to wear specific clothes that uh, we will feel and be very unique in comparison to people around us and, and that could be something that uh, creates the conversation or leads people to uh, engage with us yeah I, I, I agree so that Yeah, so so how does Palta, the, the organization that you started, deliver on that promise? Because you're not a clothing brand. You, you, you're, you know, you, you, you've come, as you said, from, a, from an innovation community. So, so how are you helping change clothing so that it is more inclusive? So that, that was a very interesting process because at the beginning when I went to speak with, with fashion brands and, and offered them uh, ideas for clothes, so there would be all kinds of excuses that it's not a big enough market and uh, that, that's not their focus on, in the next collection and so and so. And I was thinking, okay, maybe I should uh, build up uh, a collection for people with disabilities. But then looking at all the data, I've realized that people buy in all different stores. They want to feel part of uh, the communities of, of, of different brands. And that was, that was something that uh, have made us, me and, and my co-founder, um, to think about it in a, in a way that we have a lot of knowledge and personal experiences, people with disabilities, that we want to share it with all kinds of brands at the end my uh, goal and expectation is to be able to enter to whatever shop with uh, my family with my friends and be able to buy clothes as everyone else and what palta is doing is basically to be that bridge between uh, people with disabilities individual needs and fashion brands goals or uh, will to be uh, responsible but also provide products to a very big market that we're not uh, seeing or talking about enough if we're not part of this ecosystem um, what we do is first to certify garments so palta is uh, working in, in three levels the first is to is to certify the garments um, We have the ability to look over um, a lot of platforms that, that sell clothes, look into uh, collections, catalogs, and uh, classify that product, of course, involving people from all the uh, subcategories of people with disabilities, being able to say, okay, that's the score for a certain product because it fits X million of individuals. Uh, the next step is... Uh, the certification where we have parameters that uh, 
represent the different groups that we expertise in as part of the community of people with disabilities. And the third is to create these garments. So after a, a company receives our certificate, uh, we can see that in a very uh, high percentage, they raise their sales, and not only by people with disabilities. Every person with disability have uh, family members. That's the second circle that uh, would be if they're not yet customers of that brand. And the third circle are, are the people that are buying from brands that have a strong agenda and a, and a social responsibility. Um, companies that see individuals with disabilities as customers and not only as themselves doing something that is uh, socially responsible. And all this backed by data, that's, I think, the, the biggest value that we have. We can say, okay, that's the uh, change that you might do in a product or you have this existing product now, uh, do it in six more versions. That's create, that creates actually uh, the ability for the brands to reach a wider range and also grow the range of products that they offer. Yeah. So, uh, uh, go on. So, how does the, the engagement with the brand starts? You know, let's say it's, it starts with you reaching them out. Are they, or they are, oh, there's part we should talk with them because they can help us to improve our range of clothes. Or it, it's a, a customer of a brand that knows somehow is able to make the introductions. How, how does that engagement uh, goes? So I have to say that it happens uh, from both directions. Sometimes they contact us and they are interested to learn more about their designs and how they can be uh, more inclusive. In most of the cases, they speak about adaptive clothing, and that's also a topic that is important to, to discuss, the difference between adaptive and inclusive. Um, adaptive is basically creating uh, a new section, and I feel that it's uh, not including the community of people with disabilities, but, but creating a new sector of, of, uh, of clothes or, or a new collection. And if they do it in inclusive design, so they, they don't stop from selling to the existing customers, but they add another market into their shops. And in the, in the second case, um, so basically we contact the, the brands that we find products that have community involved or were accidentally made for people with disabilities. And we're happy to share it with the, with the design team, telling them that they have these kinds of products. Because at the end, if there is no uh, connection between the, the company itself, um, let's take the, the most uh, basic and simple informative space, the, the description of a product in an e-commerce website, um, the company doesn't really know what words they need to use. So I would read it and say, oh, I understand why this button shirt works for me. Or I can see um, why these pants will be more comfortable for me if I'm sitting eight hours or I'm a wheelchair user. 
the description is, is not really presenting uh, what I'm expecting to see, as well as the images of a product. Like uh, doing the shot on uh, different kinds of postures, it, it doesn't really mean that you need to bring a person in a wheelchair to wear these pants. If there's a photo of someone sitting, I can relate it and understand that these pants would, would work for me as well if I'm a wheelchair user. So when you are uh, when you are engaging with brands, do, do you feel the need? Uh, two questions: Do you feel the need to uh, explain what you are doing, or they uh, or they immediately see the value? Uh, and the other is: Once they see the value and they start building clothes, are they marketing those clothes those clothes as any other clothes, or they end up creating a kind of a, a special area on the website? where people go for that particular type of clothes? So again, I would start from the end. Uh, the companies that contact us and speak about creating a different section, um, we tell them that that's not what we are doing and what we expect is to integrate the needs of people with disabilities in the mainstream collection. It's not creating a new segment in the company. Uh, and we teach them how to do it, of course, and uh, uh, design, as I said, and also how to market correctly to people with disabilities uh, using the right descriptions, uh, images, representation of uh, individuals from the community. And about what you asked, if uh, they understand it easily and quickly, so of course not. And, That's because I feel there's a lack of conversation about uh, our body and looking at, uh, at clothing and, and fashion in a perspective of 3D and not 2D as it's normally uh, learned in university. And then when a designer meets uh, such a challenge or a request to create clothes for people with disabilities, It feels a little bit uh, rare and not related to their knowledge. So at the beginning, uh, and, and I, I'm sharing it because it's important for me also to, to tell. Of course, I will not say the, the names of the, of the brands, but I felt that in the conversations with the design team, I was uh, judging them for not doing clothes for the community. And then we, we changed a little bit the, the conversation that we use. Uh, that's actually the, the, the most honest I can be. It's, it's like coming to an artist and saying, oh, no, you have to add here a red line on your painting. And pe people would not uh, receive it as, as something positive. It's negative. And we want to be as positive as possible. And as meaningful as possible for the brand to learn and be able to implement it. No, so, so, sometimes the uncomfortable becomes useful, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, talking of uncomfortable, I, I was thinking about you, you sort of finding clothes and, and reviews. And I, I, I was smiling because I, I read, um, an article in the Guardian, UK newspaper, the, the other week, 
where someone did a review of men's underpants and it was a female journalist. And the the comments were just hilarious because they were like, you know, it's like, it's like, you can't do this. It needs to be a man doing this. We have certain things inside these garments that, you know, you, you wouldn't ask a man to review a bra. And 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 so I mean I think it's really um, you know people don't sh- a bit in the disability community through social media you see in certain forums people are talking about certain garments right and now I'm I'm neurodivergent so I'm in I, I'm in some of the sort of communities where people who are autistic um, you know quite often, you know, have sensitivity issues, like garments feel uncomfortable, they don't want seams. Um, There is a tendency to, when they find something that they really like, go and bulk buy it. It's, I mean, mean, one that you, you know, so so they end up being like Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg and wearing the same T-shirt for 20 years, you know, but they've got 300 of them. Um, I I guess what, what you're doing is taking it from, something like that where you have to go and buy 300 of the same thing to having the the opportunity to have a bit more variety but the same um psychological comfort of no and physical comfort of knowing that when you go and buy it it's still going to have the qualities that you need it to have so uh that's actually something that we are asked a lot the companies would ask us okay People with disabilities are so different. There are so many subcategories. How do we help? How do you help us make something that fits them all? And then my answer is that nothing will fit us all. Otherwise, we wouldn't have so many fashion brands doing a white T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but we can create the ability to uh, have your product to be relevant for a very wide range. And it's all uh, focused on three categories. Sensory, as you said, dexterity, and body type. Having these three and uh, meeting the, the parameters that we have defined through our research and uh, the participation of people from all kinds of uh, subcategories in the uh, disabilities community, we are able to uh, provide the most uh, effective or, or the most in- inclusive options for a brand to design with so the widest range of individuals will, will be able to buy from them. And by the way, every product that we find, even if it's a, a brand that we uh, don't start working with or don't continue working with, everything is shared with our community. So people are able to see these products even if we didn't uh, certified that specific brand. We have our channels and social media that we have. We do a product highlight also for companies that we are not in a in a business relation with because our responsibility is first to bring up to people like me that uh, have got injured and now they have uh, a type of disability as well as people that were born with disabilities. The range of product that exists and if we have already found it as part of our job. I, I think uh, it makes sense and it's our responsibility to share it as as wide as possible with uh, the community so people would know the options that exist. 
Yeah. So, so um, I mean, I, I actually really like browsing the internet for, for clothing. It, it passes many an hour, and and some of the some of the platforms you use can you can sort of they get halfway there. You know, they can sort of you can specify your basic body type you know whether you're sort of middle-aged and have a saggy bit in the middle here um and and then they will start suggesting clothes accordingly but what what none of them really do at the moment are the you know are those extra bits you know they the you know i actually i like you know i have my preferences my you know you know my, my sensory profile i like the soft fabric i like it to be light i don't like seams um, you know, um, don't like scratchy wool, you know, those, those kind of things, um, you know, they're not there. Um, you know, the 10% you know, of the society is like you. It's not, uh, it's yeah, not only you. No, no, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not unique in this in, in, in any way, shape or form. I, I just think that, you know, it's a little bit hit and miss or well very hit and miss with a lot of the sort of online browsing of clothes and and not only is that sort of the yeah okay so you get the excitement of shopping the new thing's coming and and then it turns up and it doesn't fit or it's scratchy or it's just like that's also aside from being demoralizing and a pain in the behind to send back again it's really bad for the environment so so not only if, if we could get this right and enable people to have a much better uh, way of choosing stuff that really suits them um, and not just makes them look smart or whatever societal norm they wish to conform to by wearing these things, but fitted them, met their needs for comfort and ability to do up the buttons and be independent, you know, dressing themselves and so on. It would also be good for the environment. I, I definitely agree, and you know, you, you just gave the example of uh, smart clothes. I always say and, and you know question with our team and also with, with uh, teams of fashion brands that we talk with. Who said that buttons are the best way to connect two pieces of textile? Like we are in 2022. There's so much technology. Uh, things were advancing so much, and sustainability is dependent on, on inclusivity if if the clothes that we create would be uh, relevant or an option um, for people with disabilities to wear so probably there would be less waste for the fashion industry because more people would be able to buy from these products and I think that um, what you said about online shopping, the industry still has a lot to do in relation of uh, creating trust within the community of people with disabilities because as, as I mentioned before, if we don't have the right description and images or video that represents the product in, in, in the right way, I'm, I'm not feeling very comfortable to buy online from a store that is abroad and then if it doesn't fit me, I would have to go to the post office and we've mainly seen it during uh, COVID days when everybody was at home. And then uh, the whole society were able to feel a little bit of what it is about to be a person with disability. In some cases, people that are uh, not really going to physical shops. 
And I think that that's creating a, a big revolution also in the, in the online shopping. We are mostly focused on the online shopping because we understand that it's talking to a, a wider range of individuals and we want to, to uh, provide the ability for the brand to sell um, in all different regions and also from people in all different regions to be able to, to buy from some brands that uh, there are examples of companies that do clothes for people with disabilities, but in very specific regions. So if you're not living in the US or the UK, you're not, you're not a customer and you won't be able to buy uh, the kinds of garments that they develop. Yeah. So um, one final thing before we close, and this has been really interesting, was... Um, one of the things that I've seen is, you know, particularly with shirt manufacturers, actually, I mean, it is that you can you can order customized clothing. And, and we are in the age of mass customization. So um, do you think that there will come a point where your community will be able to sort of have their profiles and their preferences and be able to say, well, I like that kind of style. Make it for me to my profile. You know, so, you know, it'll have, you know, my my favorite type of collar, my favorite type of material, you know, my body shape, my personal fasteners or whatever. So because, I mean, the, the, it it seems to be that there are, there is an opportunity where, you know, you can sort of fit together components and you could enable something that is much better um, than something that is mass mass produced, if it can be done in a way that is easily replicable. So I, I feel that uh, if we're understanding that the world is keep going to mass production and, and being even more massive than, than what it is now, inclusive design is more relevant than adaptive. And at the moment that um, your sizing chart becomes uh, more inclusive. And being in, in whatever country in the world, I would know that medium is medium. And it doesn't matter from what company I buy from. So th that would be something that uh, enables me to be loyal to the brand and know, because as you said before, that people buy 300 shirts from uh, that same product. That's because of the... Uh, bad experience shopping online so i bought one time or someone bought for me a shirt from a certain company and i can give an example about uh, jeans from uniqlo that i know that wheelchair users buy an ebay secondhand uh, jeans because they stop the production of these types of, of jeans but suddenly they have a lot of elements that work better for uh, wheelchair users because of her, the elasticity and the uh, pockets in the in the back that are flat and a rubber band that you have in the front and all different types of elements so the company doesn't know about it so they stop the production but people uh, found that product that, that works for them and they keep buying from from that same kind of product so as i see it the the ideal situation is that uh, we would contact uniqlo and share with them that experience of individuals, not us saying as a company, but a social proof, uh, proof represented by 
30,000 individuals in wheelchairs saying that that garments works for them. It's a, it's a business opportunity, but also social responsibility of that company to continue producing from that uh, same type of product, giving them the ability to keep selling. And that's something important about the data that if I can, if I can close with it, because you said it's a, it's a closer question. Um, the brands are not really able to ask you uh, because of your neurodiversity or me as someone that has a dexterity issue with my, with my right arm, if we bought that specific product because of our disability. It's not uh, politically correct, neither ethically right to question us in, in that way. If we add it as a review on the product, that's great for them, but they don't really know about it. And that's what we provide to the companies. At the end, um, it's a value to both sides. The community uh, gets exposed to products that we find based on the parameters that uh, each individual that is part of our community has defined as what makes a product to fit him or her. And the brands are able to get feedback of a very wide range of individuals that bought a specific product from their brand and know that the numbers that they see of sales of certain product means that that group is shopping for them. And these are the people that are uh, ordering uh, 50,000 pieces from a country that they didn't sell to before this amount. And now there is a garment that's doing very well in a certain country. Um, we can direct it to what's the reason for that and who is the audience that was buying. Excellent. So it's the data-driven insights that are really pushing forward inclusion here. Yeah, th th that's where our, our word is going. If you said that uh, the mass production would be, we would be able to customize it to ourselves. So I can say that we have a case study with the uh, Paralympic delegation of Israel in the, in the Tokyo Games. And what we've realized that we were, we were able to create a collection that in 98% of the participants, they were all wearing the same in a, in a sizing chart that was fitting them all. And only 2% of them needed some customizations. So that also uh, makes me to be a, a stronger believer in inclusive design for the companies and also for our environment. Yeah, excellent. Thank you very much, Shay. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. I need to thank my clear text for you know, keeping us captioned and um, point out to people that we have a GoFundMe. Um, so check out Access Chat GoFundMe. Shay, we really look forward to in, encouraging people to join in the conversation with you and us on Twitter on Tuesday night. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Keep on smiling.